Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Stephen Tillman here with Heath. You're listening to Tillman's Corner Sports Talk. Thank everyone for listening, whatever time of day you're listening, whatever day you're listening. Uh, thank you for, we, we really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to email us at Tillman's Corner Sports Talk at gmail.com. Um, we really appreciate it. We'd love for you to kind of let us know how you like the show. If you want something, uh, if you want us to talk about a specific topic, We'd love to hear about it. We'd love to include it in the show. We got a really uh, nice show lined up for y'all. I'm excited about this because of a lot of different things that's happened today um, and, and this week. But it's going to be a little bit different. We'll have a hot topic that we usually start the show off with kind of later in the episode because it goes along with our second topic. But first off, we're going to start off with a local shout-out. Heath, who you got for us? A local shout-out, we got Jordan Phelps. He went to high school at Theodore High School and played his college ball at Coastal Alabama North. They're the Eagles. This weekend during the playoffs, like I told everybody that's listen, I was up there. It was Saturday. It was an elimination game against the number one seed. He threw a complete game. He threw all nine innings. He threw over 100 pitches. He was really good. He gave up one run. wasn't earned. It was off an air, and the kid was absolutely sensational. We'll get into more of that. But first and foremost – like Steven said, it's a little different tonight. We got our first guest ever. Yeah. We've been talking about trying to get a guest, and we hit on baseball last week, and Hunter just finished his season. He actually plays with Jordan, and he just finished his season, and he was kind enough to join us. And we're just going to ask him some questions, just how to improve baseball and different things about his, you know, his career and what he's got going on from here. But with the local shout-out about Jordan, Hunter, uh, Tell us a little bit about his game and what he did in that elimination game. Yeah, Jordan's been one of our better pitchers all year. So uh, he's been our, our number one guy. And like you said, we were, we were in the loser's bracket and we were playing the one seed. And uh, Jordan stepped up for us. He, uh, he, like I said, he only gave up one run, which was unearned. So he threw a nine-inning complete game, essentially uh, a shutout. So Yeah, no, he, he was absolutely phenomenal. And I'm sorry, I did not mention, Hunter is – my brother, he plays center field for Coastal Alabama North. It's a JUCO in Alabama. He's played center field for him. This was his last year there, right? Last year, he's Steven's cousin. We're really, you know, happy to have him with us. And, you know, he was glad to come on and just talk a little bit about it. But I was there. The kid was absolutely sensational in the ninth inning. You know, he's really made of the right stuff. In the ninth inning, the bases are loaded, one out. Coach goes out there. I think everybody in the stands are thinking, oh, he's about to pull him, you know, because, you know, that's that's how best baseball, right? But he told me after the game, and, you know, I heard him over talking and I heard him say that he told the coach, you're not yanking me out. This is my game to win. This is my game to lose. I've pitched the whole game, and that's awesome stuff, and he's made the right stuff. But <clears throat> going on from there, still talking about him, I heard you made a bet with him. That if he play if he pitched a shutout, you had to pay him twenty bucks. Did you pay up? I did. Uh, I did make the bet, but <laughs> I did not pay up. So uh, I'm not a good friend with that one. But I'll uh, I'll have to slide him some cash here shortly. You had to slide him some cash. Like I said, the run was not earned. So in my books, it's a complete game shutout. Yeah. But I want to get you some questions. Like I said, I got some fun questions, some more serious questions, just some questions to have fun. But really, my first question is: Has baseball really been your favorite sport? You know, growing up in your whole life. Uh, not really. I've been – football and baseball really has been the uh, same amount. I liked them both, so. 
yeah, you know, you played football and baseball and basketball. You really you've played all three. Which is your favorite sport to play? I know, like maybe you had more one that you like to watch more, but what was your favorite to play? Is it baseball? Uh, yeah, baseball. Baseball. I, you know, and the reason I asked that is because I was listening to a podcast today with Joe Burrow was getting interviewed, and he said Joe Burrow. For if you don't know, he's the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, just lost in the Super Bowl. He said his favorite sport to play is basketball, but of course he was better at football. So normally that's what happens a lot, but. Just keep going down my list. I got a couple of fun questions to ask. <clears throat> and this is a funny question, but would you rather lead college baseball in home runs or stolen bases? Home runs. Home runs. And it's funny I asked that because he's not a home run hitter. Better go realistic here. Uh, realistic. Yeah, that's, I'm glad he was re- – uh, he's not very realistic. And I'm going to tell you this. He had people chanting in the stands week after he hit a ground ball. Ask, ask Laney. Did she tell you that? Yeah, she did. Yeah, you know, but hey, if you're going to dish, you got to take it. But that was – so home runs. And then I asked – somebody told me to ask you this. I forget who it was. But when you're stealing, what is the first thing – because how many stolen bases did you have this year? 41. 41 stolen bases. That's really awesome. How? What are you looking for as far as – is it your decision? Is it a coach's decision? When the pitcher, are you looking for his foot to lift and go to the plate, or what exactly are you looking for? Well, yeah. That, well, coach gives me green light, but normally the coach decides when I seal or not. But, yeah, it's it's all off the movements of the pitcher. Normally he'll come set, and normally they'll take one, two, three seconds to pitch sometimes. But, really, you're just looking at that front foot. As soon as it lifts, then you head to second. Head to second. Do you – how many did you get caught on this year, do you know? Off uh, top of your head? Three. Three? Okay, and that kind of – the reason I asked that because it leads into my next question. What is more important, a good lead and a bad jump or a bad lead and a good jump? And if you don't know what I mean, you know, when I say a, a good lead, it's how far, you off, how far you are off the base. And a good jump is do you time it up right? Which, which do you think is more important? Uh, personally, I think a good jump is more important uh, because yeah, I agree. you can have a good lead, but if you get a bad jump, you're not going to make it, but – as long as you got a good jump and good re- really good reaction time, you you always got a chance. Absolutely. And <clears throat> a lot of these questions really came up because, like I said, I went to your playoffs this weekend. And the way baseball is going, and the reason I wanted to do this interview this week because <clears throat> we talked about baseball last week, and a lot of people think all we talk about is Alabama sports. So we want to switch it up and get a little bit more different sports in there. But do you like small ball? As far as like bunting, getting your base runners over, stealing bases, or do you like the way the game is going as far as a lot of home runs, high strikeouts, but big reward? Uh, For me, I'm more of a small ball type of player, so I like that. But, of course, all the fans in MLB, all they want to see is home runs, home runs, home runs. But strikeouts, I mean, it comes at a cost, but I'm more of a small ball type of guy. Do you you like small ball because that's more your game, more the you know get on base and make it happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. And my next question is, and I got a backstory behind this: is how do you speed up the game? Me and Steven were talking about this last week. Why is baseball not you know as popular as basketball, NBA, and NFL and college football is these days? And we mentioned the speed of the game. And let me tell you, I got this question wrote down because y'all played Sunday. The game started at 12 o'clock, noon, hot sun. What time did the game end? Uh, 4.30. 4.30. Oh, my That's God. A college game. 
They played nine innings, yes. Yeah. Four and a half hours. And let me tell you, why did the game last so long? I'll tell you this, break it down. Y'all lost 19 to 15. 19 runs is a lot of runs. But what is – is there any way – I'm going to let you go, then I'll tell you what I think. Is there any way to speed up these games? Uh, Well, our game, for instance, it was so long because there was a lot of pitches thrown because a lot of walks were issued on <laughs> on both sides. The pitching, the pitching part was – it wasn't spectacular. But uh, as far as MLB comes uh, – you know, they, they've implemented uh, pitch clocks. You get a 20-second count in uh, minor league baseball right now, which they actually did that with us us this year. 20 seconds to pitch the ball. And, but uh, that's one way to speed it up. Or you could cut down ads in between commercial breaks and stuff <laughs> like that. But I don't I don't think MLB would want to do that. No, it's money. No, yeah, like Steven said, it's, it's uh, that's money. They're not going to want to do that. But I also have a suggestion – to college baseball, and maybe it is in Division One, but I don't know about JUCO. But how about the MLB implemented? You got to get you got uh, every pitcher has to face three batters unless they end the inning. I think that would be phenomenal because, for instance, in y'all's game, one kid went out there and threw four pitches and got the old boot and got yanked. I, I, I'm not gonna. We don't want to say the kid's name. Like I don't. Even, I don't remember who it was. But I know in one inning y'all had like four or five pitchers pitch. And that just really just drags the game. It was an emotional game. I was exhausted. And that leads to my next question. Do fans have an impact on umpires? I think fans do have an impact on umpires. Uh, A lot of umpires are very thin-skinned. And if you make a call, for instance, they call a strike, well, the fans will let them hear it. And then uh, as the game goes along (laughs) – they will continue to call it pitch a strike no matter what the fan says, and they'll even expand the zone just yeah. to just to uh, make those fans a little bit more upset. But sometimes it works the other way, right? Sometimes you think it gets in their mind. For instance, the reason I say that because, you know, when we're – I went to his playoffs and I sat just right behind the plate, and I was giving this um, – I mean, I was going at him. And the it was the bottom of the first – and at the top of the first, he was calling a lot of outside strikes, low and outside. That wasn't strikes, but he was calling them strikes. So when you walked up there, I said, Hunter, he calls them outside strikes, six inches off the plate. And what did the umpire say to you? He told me, he said, are you really going to listen to that big idiot in the stands? He called me a big idiot. I wish I'd have known that because this guy's a five-foot nothing. I probably would have bent him over my leg and whooped him. But guess what? That just shows that, yeah, they do hear. That's why my voice is gone because I was, ooh, I really was trying to bring that energy and lighten these umps up. Umps are terrible, honestly. And I think there should be an age limit, but that's a different discussion. Do fans impact the game as far as the players? Do y'all hear fans? You know, can you tell when the crowd's hyped? Does it give you more momentum? I know that's more of a football, basketball, you know, but does it help in baseball? Yeah, yeah. I think the fans definitely uh, will carry momentum in baseball games. That's that's good. And uh, I got a couple more questions, and these are fun. Unwritten rules in baseball. Do, are you a fan of them? If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's an unwritten rule. Apparently, if you hit a home run and you do a bat flip, you're going to get pegged the next time you come up to bat. Or they're going to drill the guy right after you, which is ridiculous. You know, there's different unwritten rules. You can't touch the chalk when you're running on the field. Normally, you're supposed to jump over the chalk. Are you a fan of these? Do you believe in these? Do you care if you get pegged? Uh, I I am a fan of unwritten rules unwritten rules 
Because, I mean, yeah, if you hit a home run, somebody does a little bat flip, yeah, so what? But a lot of kids these days, I'm sure you've seen it on TV, they'll hit a home run and throw their bat 30 feet in the air. And uh, that's that's not good for the game because that's a good way to get hurt your next at bat because they're probably going to throw it at your head. But, uh, yeah, there's different unwritten rules, but, yeah. Yeah, that's probably my biggest problem. I, I hate when pitchers throw it in another guy's head. If you're going to peg the guy, just do it right. Peg him in the back or peg him in the butt. But don't throw it at a guy's head. Like I said, I got a couple more questions. Do you have a favorite uh, baseball memory, just a favorite game or a favorite memory of winning the World Series with the Raw Dogs? Uh, one of my favorite memories was uh, in high school in the playoffs, we uh, we we had a 15-inning game. Oh, oh yeah. And that was a – it was a very long – Enterprise? World. Yeah, Enterprise. Yep, yep. And uh, we ended up winning that game. Well, it was about 11 o'clock, and it uh, – we had to stop playing by 12. Well, we tried to get finish that second game real quick, mm-hmm. which, long story short, we ended up doing. We ended up run rolling to get the sweep. Yeah, no, I, I was there. That was a – now, that was a my God. What was that? That was like a five-hour game right there. That, but that was a fun game to really be a part of. And uh, do you have any future plans as far as baseball? I mean, you don't have to tell us if you don't want to go into detail or anything, but is there anything after this year – I know you're going to college somewhere, but is there anything you know any you're looking at or any other thing like that? Uh, yeah, I've I got a couple of colleges. I'm trying to decide between uh, to continue to play at the next level. So haven't made a decision yet. Well, good because I don't want last weekend 19 run loss to uh, or giving up 19 runs to be your last game ever. And I got two more questions, and they actually are important to me. I need your advice. If you can tell me one thing that I can teach my son Nathan about baseball, what would it be? Uh, just <laughs> stay off the uh, weed. <laughs> uh, just fun- fundamental baseball. You know, just eye on the ball, hit the pitch, keep your stay down, fill the ground ball, and just make a good throw. I like that. And I've been trying to work on him <clears throat> with this, but is it a good idea for me to teach him how to be a switch hitter? Uh. I don't know if you can teach being a switch hitter. Some kids, it just – some kids, it comes naturally. But per, for me, I, I can't be a switch hitter. But some guys can do it, which is very, very good. If you're listening and you don't know what a switch hitter is, it means you can hit from the left side of the plate and the right side of the plate. It normally depends. If the pitcher's right-handed, you hit from the left side of the plate. If the pitcher's left-handed, you hit from the right side of the plate. But, Stephen, you got any questions? No, no. Really appreciate it, Hunter. We're going to you know, go back into our hot topic and stuff, but those are really good questions. And if you have any questions you would like for me to ask Connor or me and Steven regarding baseball, shoot it in our email, Talk at gmail.com or on our social medias. But our hot topic, it popped off today, Steven and Hunter. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so we said the series going to be a little different. Hot topic and topic number two are kind of the same thing. Hunter's going to stick, stick around and kind of give his thoughts throughout the rest of the show. But if you follow, even if you don't spot, follow college sports, like if you just have a social media, I'm sure you saw something about it. So let me break it down. Last night, <laughs> Nick Saban and Nate Oates were at a, I guess it was a was fundraiser. It? A fundraiser. Yeah. So, you know, there's all these people there and they're talking about, uh, um, or NIL gets brought up, and but a lot of a lot of stuff was said. Nick Saban said a lot of things. One of the things he said about NIL was it was intended for when guys get to college, then 
they can go make money on name, image, and likeness. After they've done after, something. Yes, yeah. after they've done something. But what it's turned into is uh, universities, or not specifically universities, boosters of the universities, uh, telling these recruits, if you come to our school, you will get an IL deal for this amount of money. And he named, he specifically named Texas A&M. He said, you know, Texas A&M, who had the uh, number one recruiting class this year. Of all time. Of all time. all time. And I'll give some more stats on that in a minute. But anyway, of all time, and said they pretty much, they paid the entire recruiting class, so that's how they got the best one. And then he's, he talked about uh, Jackson State. They paid a million dollars to a player to go there. And then, of course, it gets out. Jimbo holds a press conference today and just absolutely lights into um, Nick Saban. Uh, he, I think you maybe you have some of the uh, some of the stuff pulled up, so I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I appreciate that. I got some of the quotes that Jimbo he held an emergency press conference to go at Nick Saban today, and he really went at him. You know, he started off. He said, "It's dis- I'm, these are quotes. It's despicable that we have to sit here at this level of ball and say these things to defend people's people of this organization, the kids, seventeen year old kids, and their families." Fisher said, it's amazing. Some people think they're God. So he's basically saying Nick Saban thinks he's a God. He said, go dig into how God, Nick Saban, did his deal. You may find out a lot of things you don't want to know. We build him up to be some kind of czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out. What he does and how he does it, it's despicable. It really is. And then he continues. He says, you're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families that they broke state laws, that we bought every player in this group. We never bought anybody. No rule, No rules were broken. Broken, Lord, let me read. Nothing was done wrong. These families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach can come out and say this when he doesn't eat when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. It's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, he um That's pretty scathing, <laughs> man. It made me it makes me wonder, did someone like did someone go to him with a phone and say, Hey, look at this article? And all he did was read the headline that said Nick Saban said Texas A and M paid recruiting class and then he just went on a you know okay i'm gonna hold a press conference based off of that or did he actually like watch the entirety of what nick saban said because no. it, you know it, i don't know i have a, I have a lot more to say you, i guess you if you have some thoughts on it and then i'll get into it in a minute listen i i'm 50 50 on this i uh i'm a bama fan i'm a nick saban fan i think he's the goat but i i also like to be objective I understand why Jimbo's upset. You know, I don't know. It, you know, it, it comes off as Nick Saban could be complaining. You know, but Stephen's gonna give the stats later where he's got some kind. He's got some good points, and Lane Kiffin agreed. But you know, it could come off like he's upset because he's got the number two rec- ranked recruiting class. You know, in the country, and also, you know, I don't know who could blame these kids honestly. For taking this money, I mean, Hunter, you're still here with us, and you're actually in college. So I'd like to get uh, your perspective for a second. You know, if somebody came to you and said, "We'll give you a hundred thousand to come to South or come to 
you name it. Come to Little Sisters of the Poor. We'll give you a hundred thousand to play baseball. Would you do it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> who? I mean, who wouldn't? That I mean, this kind of money is sent. Listen, and a lot of these kids come from. They're not. They're not coming from the the richie of the riches. You know, a lot of these kids come from nothing. And like Hunter said, he would do it in a heartbeat. And he, you know, he's a college athlete. You know, I may give him an NIL deal myself. You may let, <laughs> let him wash my car or something, give him some money. But he said he would do it. So I feel bad for the kids getting dragged into this. And also, before I get back to Steven, you know, I don't know why Nick Saban would say these comments. You know, like I said, it sounds like, you know, maybe he's a little sour about it. And I know a lot of people has been hard on him, but he came out today and said that look, he made a mistake. He didn't. He didn't go back on what he said. He just said that he shouldn't have said Texas A&M or Jackson State by name, or that Travis Hunter kid from Jackson State. Which I agree with that. You know, of course. You know, of course, there's a problem that Nick Saban was talking about, and he's got a point. There's a huge problem. But I'm glad that he did come back today, and kind of go back on some statements and try to right some wrongs. Yeah, so, and I don't know, did you watch the clip? The whole, not, not just the clip, did you watch the entire, from when, like, when he first started talking about it till after he said all that stuff? Nick Saban? Yeah. How long was the clip? It was about, well, the one I saw to way before he even mentioned Texas A&M to after he mentioned Jackson State was no. about six minutes. No, I know I did. I just watched the, I just read the story on uh, CBS okay. Sports. So I, I watched it actually on the way over here. Uh, I set it down and played it and listened to it. And so what he said was, he started, he was talking about NIL. He even said, he said, look, I think it's a good thing. I think guys should be able to make money off of name, image, and likeness. He said, I even. Like Will Anderson or Bryce Young. Yeah, Will Anderson, Bryce Young. He even mentioned, he said, our players last year, there was like 25 players that got paid and they made like $3 million over those 25 players. He said, that's fine. Um, It's a good thing. And basically what he's saying is, it's people are abusing it now again nobody plays nobody blames the 18 year old high school graduate or you know 20 21 year old transfer guy yeah i don't know um, why jimbo kept saying that I, um, nobody blames he, he never nobody blames the kid yeah, nick saban didn't say oh these are horrible kids for going somewhere for a million dollars like yeah. uh no i would do it i'm 28 years old <laughs> yeah i would <laughs> do it a million. I'm 25 yeah um so he never said that what he said is it it was set up to Okay, look, this kid, he's wanting to go to a college for play football. Once he chooses his college, then when once he is there, then he can start getting NIL deals. But what it's turned into are these and he named he named Texas A&M, but I don't he's not specifically saying Jimbo Fisher is telling these kids A&M is it's what it is is it's called the collective, so it's just a group of the collective is like a marketing agency that the boosters of Texas A&M and, and Alabama, Alabama has a collective too, but the boosters and all these people put money into this, I guess, fund, mm-hmm. and it's used for NIL deals. Um, and so he's saying Texas A&M boosters, they did this. They did it smart. They did it smart. They got lawyers, and, and, yeah. Yeah, and here's the thing. You know, Jimbo kept saying, we didn't cheat. We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do all this. We didn't do all that. Well, Nick Saban never said Texas A&M cheated. He never said – He just said they bought their team. Yeah. Which, never, I mean – And he didn't say it's illegal. He was saying because of the NIL, you can do that. He said they bought their team through the NIL. And then Jimbo Fisher comes out. It kind of reminded me of 
you know, like if somebody takes a jab at you that's true, you yeah. kind of get even more defensive about it and try to justify it even though it's true. That's what it sounded like to me is, yeah, it's true, but Nick Saban never said he cheated. And look, let's use some common sense. Yeah. Okay. Jimbo Fisher's been there since 2018. The highest class he has is number four, which is a high class, but the other ones have been like six, number eight, 17, or what, something like that. And then all of a sudden, the NIL, this is the first recruiting cycle that NIL is it, – it just became uh, legal last June, I think, last summer. So this is the first recruiting cycle NIL is legal. And all of a sudden, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, who – I mean, he's an okay coach, but they haven't – Texas A&M hasn't won any championships while he's been there. Yeah. So the first – They beat Alabama. That's yeah. Their, that's their claim that's to it. fame. Yeah. So their first, the first year recruiting cycle, the NIO is legal. Texas A&M brings in the highest, not just the number one class, the highest, highest rated recruiting class in college football history. That I mean, that's not a coincidence. So, yeah, I'm, and at Alabama, I'm, I'm, all these other colleges, they're doing it too. I mean, Texas mm-hmm. offers people. We, you know, um, it broke right before we started the show, about an hour or two before we started the show. Uh, Jordan Addison from Pitt, we talked about that possibly could go to Bama. He's going to USC, and USC offered him, and you might have this already. <laughs> yeah, no, you go. USC offered him $3 million. A house and a car. A house and a car. But I'm pretty sure before he even hit the portal. Yeah, he was still even, at Pitch, He was still yeah, at school at yeah. Pittsburgh. Even if he hadn't. Like, that's, that's what Nick Saban is talking about, is these guys are in the portal or in high school, and all these colleges saying, hey, we'll give you this, this, and this to come to our school. And yeah, technically it is legal, but it's going to ruin college football. Like, let these kids make their decision of where they want to go to play and get an education. And then once they are there, allow people to talk to them about, hey, can you come do a commercial about this car and I'll give you $10,000 or something like that. So Nick Saban never said they were cheating. I think it's being blown way out of proportion. I am confused on the Jackson State one. Like, I don't know who he – he never – Who's Travis Hunter? Yeah, and he never – but I never – I tried to find the news article where he said – He didn't – no, he didn't – yeah. He didn't – Hunter's right. He didn't say his name, but he's talking about Travis Hunter because he was a – I think he was a second-rated recruit coming out. And that kid actually came out with a tweet that said, you know, you're telling me I made – I got paid a million dollars and my mom's still living in a three-bedroom house with five kids, which, you know, I can see what he's talking about. It doesn't really make any sense why that would be. Um, but that that's who Saban was talking about. Yeah, and I, I was trying to find where – I couldn't find anything that showed he got a million dollars and that they were talking about it. So think, I'm, I'm kind of confused on that one. I think Barstool Sports said that they'd pay a million dollars if he went there. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was it. I need, to, I need to go find that. But, yeah, I think Jimbo was just – I think it was a it was an emotional obviously it was an emotional rant but I don't I don't think it was thought well thought out because you know he's saying all this stuff oh oh, oh yeah, you know digging his past and I'll show you like well Jimbo you kind of did you coached with him at LSU and won a national championship with him so yeah you had all you, crab claws on you know, your team yeah you, you, said, you said uh, yeah 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 I mean he's saying. Oh, I don't cheat. My dad taught me not to cheat. My dad would slap me upside the head. But then he's also saying, dig in his past, and you'll see where basically where he cheated. It's like, well, you were part of his past, so if you you had helped him cheat, I mean, so it's like, well, I mean, did you help him cheat, 
are you a cheater or not? So it's nuts. You know, he called him a nar- narcissist, which I'm not a, a psychiatrist, but I think back to when Clemson beat Alabama um, several years back. Um, I can't. I think it was the last time they beat him. Nick Saban after the game went looking for Jimbo Fisher, and he was like. He got lost in the crowd and couldn't find him. Or no, not, not Jimbo Fisher, Dabo, Sweeney, and couldn't find him. And so he spent like several minutes looking for him. Um, and even last year, you know, after Georgia beat Alabama, he went up to Kirby, Kirby Smart, yeah. was smiling, was telling him, hey, I'm proud, I'm happy for you. Yeah. You guys kicked our butts in the fourth quarter. Um, so I just don't – somebody that's like believes they're all high and mighty and superior, yeah. I don't think they're going to do that. But um, – I just think it was definitely an emotional and not really well thought out uh, statement. So, I mean, what what's y'all's thoughts on it? Yeah, like I said, I I think uh, I think both guys were kind of out of line, you know, in a certain way. You know, I I didn't like that Saban even said anything because, listen, people don't want to hear it when you're the most successful coach of all time and you got one of the best programs of all time right now you know people don't want to hear you say that it kind of sounds like you're because because in the way that you know the way that it was they said it in the way he read he said we finished second but the people that finished first had to pay all their guys but we didn't you know and i didn't like it but also jimbo i i don't think that he handled it very well either and you know i got a tweet pulled up you know lane kiffin he retweeted something and it said uh in 2018, A&M had zero five-stars. In 19, they had two five-stars. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, a five-star, it goes from one to five, five being the best, one being the worst. I was a zero-star back in high school. <laughs> in 2020, A&M had two five-stars. In 2021, last year, they had one. And then NIL, kind of what Steve was talking about, NIL was introduced. And this year, they have seven five-stars, highest-rated class ever. In a tweet that Lane Kiffin liked and retweeted, it said, it makes perfect perfect logic. After losing to Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and LSU, and finishing 4-4 four and four in the SEC, it was clear to the nation's elite recruits that this was the program on the rise. He nailed it with three laughing emojis. Lane Kiffin, like I said, he retweeted it kind of with the uh, emoji with the hand on the chin, kind of thinking it said the GOAT might have been – Dot, 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 dot. So, fill in the blank. Basically saying the GOAT may have been onto something. So, Hunter, what do you think about this? Uh, do you like what Jimbo said? Do you like what Nick said? Is there validity to it? Uh, first off, I mean, to see two powerhouse coaches kind of going back and forth over the media, it's, yeah. you really hadn't seen it before. But, I mean, I Nick Saban did try to call Jimbo. I don't mean to cut you off. Nick Saban did try to call Jimbo because they're actually friends. Like I said, Jimbo worked for Nick. They were actually friends. Nick tried to call Jimbo. Jimbo said he's done with Nick, didn't answer his phone call, didn't return it. Go ahead. But, yeah, I mean, you see where Saban's upset about it, and it makes sense. NIL, it's completely out of whack right now. and Mm -hmm. They're working on uh, putting rules and regulations together because it needs to be fixed. But, I mean, when someone takes a jab at you, no matter what, your first response is – to get defensive and make a comeback and something. That's exactly what Jimbo did. But, I mean, you get where Jimbo is upset too. But, I mean, it, it's crazy. Something needs to be done about the NIL, though. Yeah, like you said, I I, I do believe that something is being done. Uh, they're, they're trying to put stuff into place. And, you know, maybe Nick, if it was me, I'd text somebody today, I think, uh, B. Hey, Mr. Jeff. I'd text him today and basically was like, listen, I wish Nick would have said – 
everybody's paying players right now. You know, maybe some are doing it fishy, some are not. But listen, he should have said everybody's paying him, like included him in the bunch. Cause so then people's not like, well, you're just you're just mad because they got better recruits than you. No, include yourself in there, and then say something has to be done. I you know something really does have to be done. I'm all about <coughs> kids getting paid. If I was a great high school recruit, shoot, pay me. I want to get paid. You know, it's not fair that you're out there making millions of dollars off me, and I'm a beast, and I'm not getting nothing. But that's really my thoughts on it. But uh, yeah, I, I think Nick Saban was safe until he brought up. A&M, yeah. and, and really, he didn't even name Jimbo. He didn't say Jimbo Fisher is paying these recruits. He just said Texas A&M, and he's referring to the boosters, the collective, yada, yada, all that stuff. Um, but he, And we mentioned Jimbo kept saying, we didn't cheat, we didn't cheat, yada, yada. It's like, okay, so there's a guy on Twitter. We talked last week. We got Twitters. Heath has a Twitter. You have a Twitter now? No, I don't. Oh, he doesn't have a Twitter now. I'm about to start a Twitter, and I think we may start one – for our podcast, you might so, do that. Uh, you gotta keep up with sports stuff. Hunter, you got a Twitter? Uh, I had, I have, but I got rid of it a couple years. Ago. Um, so there's yeah. a guy on, uh, on Twitter. I don't follow him. I don't know. I'm still figuring out Twitter. I get, I see people's posts. I don't even follow. I have no idea who they are. But there's this guy <laughs> that uh, he, he's a uh, he's like one of the people that uh, follows college football at the Athletic. So it reports on college football, college sports, yada yada. And he quoted Mike Caspino. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> Who is an NIL attorney? He's like one of the top NIL attorneys. Like there was a guy that nobody knows who, but reportedly a guy that's coming out got offered an NIL deal of eight million dollars. Holy crap! Um, wow. Um, so he's kind of orchestrating that, and he's helping all these other guys. So he has a quote saying that he worked with A and M's collective. Having so this is the quote. Having worked with A&M's collective, everything Jim, Jimbo Fisher said is 100% correct and true. He did not violate any bylaws if you keep the collective separate no. from the school. A&M, uh, from the school. A&M and their collective are just very good at what they do. So basically, he's saying, yeah, they didn't do anything illegal. They followed the bylaws, but they did... Pay so it's a loophole. So yeah, they didn't do anything illegal, but he's basically admitting to yes, they did figure out how to get these players to come and to pay them. So I mean, Jimbo Fish can be mad all he wants. He's again, you can be mad. I think he's being kind of. Hopefully, he calms down and actually takes Nick Saban's call. Look, listen, we're Bama fans, hey, we'll so we're going to we'll beat him sixty nothing this year. I don't care. We're we're going to defend Nick Saban just like. Texas A&M, I think, will defend Jimbo Fisher. Anybody else would defend their coach. I think he's being kind of immature because it's not like Nick Saban came out and was, like, dogging him, saying that he sucks as a human being and he's just a terrible person and a horrible coach. He didn't even say him by name. I think Fisher's being a little immature. Like, you said something I don't like, so I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Like, you know, just cool down. Take the phone call. Y'all be men. Yeah, be just, men. Be just adults. Be adults. Just let it just – just calm down. Texas, you talked about following the bylaws. Texas A&M's AD actually contacted Greg Sankey. If you don't know who Greg Sankey is, he's the commissioner of the SEC. Contacted Greg Sankey saying Nick Saban broke the bylaws, SEC bylaws. And Greg Sankey had to come out with a statement. He publicly reprim reprimanded? Reprimanded, yeah. reprimanded 
Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher saying they broke the uh, sportsmanship bylaws of the SEC or something or something stupid. So, you know, like Steven said it best, you know, just both, you know, hopefully they can come together, talk on the phone, kind of air it out. I did see where uh, Nick Saban and Deion Sanders, who's the coach at Jackson State, they did talk today. They, I think they hopefully worked it out. Well, yeah. I – I saw that too, but then I just got a notification. My ESPN app eight minutes ago that said Deion Sanders is not interested in in a private talk with Nick Saban after his comments. So who knows? That just true. came. I, that, that literally just came out. Huh? Yeah, like eight minutes ago. Wow. So I don't know if they really did talk or not. He wow. might have talked in a group of people. I don't know because he didn't want to. It's all crazy. And Saban was on a show today, and he, like he said, he apologized. He said, "Well, he apologized for singling out those specific teams. He didn't apologize for his." thoughts on the NIL he said you know he shouldn't have singled anybody out he didn't intend to mean he didn't intend to mean they were buying players but more that they're using the NIL to do it legally Um, he never said it was illegal never said they were cheating Uh, and then specifically talking about Jimbo's comments on him he didn't want to you know he didn't go back at him and say you're a narcissist too he just said Jimbo can say what he wants to say. We've known each other for a long time. He worked for me and is a very good coach. As I said, it wasn't my intention to single anybody out, but I don't take things personally. Some people, when they compete against each other, everything's personal. It's never been that way for me. Bill Belichick and I are best friends. We were in the same division for two years in the NFL. When I was in Miami, I never had an issue. Uh, And then he elaborates. He says, I'm not against NIL. I'm against bidding for high school players. I'm against attorneys, collectives, and others getting between the money and the players. Is that really what we want it to be in college football? So like we said, he's just talking about, you know, nobody blames the kids. It's the adults and the attorneys and the boosters that's ruining. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't like it at all. Like, here, and here's my quick thought, NIL. I don't, this isn't going to fix it, I don't think. If you're if you have an NIL deal and you can pay for your own college tuition and everything, books, all that stuff, you should not have a full ride scholarship. Yeah, you should be allowed. I mean, yeah, still play football. You should pay taxes. Are they having to pay taxes? I would think so. Mike, you have to pay taxes. um, But if you you should be allowed to be, I guess it would technically be you'd be a walk on, I guess, to the football team. Um, I, I, hired gun, yeah, hired I, gun. Hired, uh, but you're a it, contractor, so I don't. I know there's more to it, and it's not as simple as that. But if you're getting paid a hundred thousand dollars a year and you can afford to go to college, you should not be having a full ride scholarship. It should be given to somebody, maybe a walk on player that's worked hard and and deserves it and has earned it. Give it to that guy. I mean, you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. Pay for your own school. Uh, if y'all want to treat it like a professional thing, which is kind of what it's going to. Then pay, pay for your schooling and don't get a full ride. Yeah, if you, like Stephen said, if y'all want to just do it like professional, just do it like professional. Have a salary cap. Every team can spend this amount of money. If you don't want to spend that amount of money, whatever, don't spend it. And, you know, you got a certain amount of kids you can get. Oh, well, if you want to spend $30 million on one kid or you want to split it up and spend $6 million on five different kids, you know, you know that that's up to you. But you got any other thoughts on it, on this topic, Stephen? Uh, let's roll into our last topic. It's a fun topic. We talked about the Alabama's top five quarterbacks under Saban last week. This week we're hitting on top five running backs, and we got Hunter to get his list too. So all three of us got our list. You know, we love, absolutely love 
talking about this. So we're going to start. Do y'all want to start at one and go to five or five to go to one? Because let's, I think we may all have the same kind of like, – let's do five. Let's do five, and we'll okay. go through one, and then we'll do like our honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. There's a lot of – and so when we did the list, we simply – we just did when they were at Alabama. So yeah. did you do that, Hunter? Uh, did you take yeah. into consideration their NFL career? No. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, we literally just did while they're at Alabama – I don't care what they did in the NFL. If they got, you know, weighed 500 pounds like Eddie Lacy, that's <laughs> up, completely up to them. But before we start, I put a poll on Facebook, no, on Instagram, and asked who's the best running back at the Saban Air. It was Derrick Henry, Najee, uh, who's the other? Mark Ingram or other. And it was pretty, pretty anonymous. Uh, Derrick Henry, I think he got like 68%. <laughs> you know no, it wasn't. Unanimous. What did I say? It was unanimous. Oh, unanimous. <laughs> no, not uh, anonymous. Uh, no, it was not anonymous. Anonymous. Well, I sound like my mom. I can't even talk straight. So, uh, let's start with Hunter. We're going to start it. Uh, just tell us your five, and then uh, I'll go five. Steven, we'll go like that. Uh, I got Josh Jacobs coming in at my five spot. Talk a little bit. Talk a while. Why you got Josh? Uh, Josh was a great back, but uh, – yeah, he was he was a backup for a couple of years. He didn't really get his his time to shine because yeah. he was behind what Damian Harris and uh, Najee and Najee Harris for for a time. But yeah. either way, he's behind he's behind some of them. But yeah, Josh was a very good back at Bama. Yeah, and no, I I love that Josh pick. I you want to do our normal mentions now or later? Uh, let's not do our normal mentions because it might eliminate. Okay, well I okay. I'll hit on Josh later because I, I love Josh. I think he – okay, I'll hit on him later. My five is a local guy. I'll, you, everybody, if you listen, uh, you know I love local guys. It's TJ Yeldon. He was at Daphne High School. <clears throat> he was a really good back. He made that legendary screen from A.J. McCarron to beat LSU. He was a really good back. He had good vision, had a you know okay NFL career, not very good. But he was very good when he was at Alabama. You know, he was the lead horse for, I think, like two years maybe. And I really liked him. But that's my number five. Uh, so, yeah, my number five, Terry Grant. Now, <laughs> do you remember, y'all remember Terry Grant? <laughs> yeah, he never played. Yeah, he was a starter when Nick Saban's very first year. That's not my number five. I'm that's just joking. Gl- that's Glenn Coffey. I mean, no, no, no. It was Terry Grant and then Glenn Coffey. Look him up. I promise you. I remember Terry Grant was a small back. That's not my number five. I'm just joking. Um, no, my number five, uh, me and Hunter have the same one. Josh Jacobs, like you said, we never. Uh, he never was a full-time starter. He split time with Damian Harris, with Najee Harris, with even, I think, um, I want to say Derek. Did they split time? I think they split a little bit of time. I think he was like a true freshman when Derek was there. Uh, but he never became a full-time starter. Um, which was a shame because he, I mean, he was, he could <laughs> split out wide, he could catch the ball, he could, he had a little some speed, some quickness, some power. He so, buried that guy in the Oklahoma game. Yeah, remember? Yeah, I mean, he so, absolutely lowered the boom. That guy know, probably still hadn't recovered. Yeah. So if you look at his stats, it's it's not. There are some other guys that have better stats, um, but he was just a really good all around back. So that's why I have him at number five. And I, before Stephen goes to his number four, it you know, I may have should have had him at five. Off potential, his potential, he could have been easily, you know, to me, top three. He had so much good potential, but he just had, there were so many talented guys there. To me, he didn't really get the fair opportunity that I think he should have gotten. But go ahead. Yeah. So my number four. Now listen, 
for everybody listening and he's a hunter. We said it. This is based off Alabama career. This is not based off what they did or did not do in the NFL, okay? So y'all aren't thinking I'm stupid or something. Uh, my number four is Trent Richardson. Um, he, I mean, if you watched him play, he had, he had the power. He had, he, I mean, he had speed. Um, he could, he had a little bit. And in his day, they weren't really splitting running backs out or making them go out for passes. But he had a little, he had decent hands to catch some passes. But uh, he had good vision, good balance, good pass protector. So just a really good Alabama back now you know it kind of fell apart when he got the nfl but we're just speaking about alabama career so he's my number four yeah no trent he's a really good running back he's a he's a fan favorite for sure uh my number four you know probably a lot higher on other people's list but i got mark ingram at number four he won the heisman at alabama i think he was the first heisman ever right yeah first heisman ever he uh he shared the backfield with Glenn Coffee and then Trent Richardson won the national championship during Texas when we played Texas won uh Saban's first national championship. He's a really good running back, you know, had great vision. Uh he's my wife's favorite running back actually. I think she voted for him in that poll. <laughs> but anyway, so that's my number 4. Uh for my 4 I got Trent Richardson. So me and Steve are copy each other's two lives. for two right now. But uh, yeah, like Steve said, uh, Trent Trent was a bruiser. If he saw a hole, he would run straight to it, try and run that middle linebacker slap over. But yeah, when when he got outside, he he had speed. So whenever he broke free, he would he'd always look for the end zone. And coming in at three, I got Mark Ingram, really one of the uh, really the first back that really excelled under Nick Saban is Mark Ingram. He was Bama's first Heisman Trophy winner. And uh, got that national championship with him. So, yeah, no, that's uh that's a really good pick at number three and four. So I basically switched. I got Trent. It's surprising to some people, but I got Trent at number three. I absolutely love Trent. I loved him more than Mark Ingram. I wish they would have gave him split more carries. But the play that sticks out to me, y'all may remember, was it Ole Miss when he juked that one dude like three times in one play, and he juked the whole team, made a great run. I thought he should have won the Heisman that year. He carried Alabama to the national championship when we beat LSU after we lost to him 9-6 in the field goal game. Thank you, Kate Foster. And then we came back and beat him in the national championship. He was the lead. He was the lead dog of that team. So that's why I got him to number three. His NFL career was very was not very good. You know, when you go to Cleveland Browns, it kind of it seems to do something to these people. But yeah, that <laughs> I wish he had went somewhere else. But he went there at three, and it kind of ruined him. So before I get to my number three, I got to bring up some stats real quick. So I mentioned Terry Grant as a joke for my number five. So Nick Saban's first year at Bama was two thousand seven. Terry Grant was a freshman <laughs> at at Alabama. He ran for eight hundred ninety one yards that year, eight touchdowns. He averaged five yards per carry as a freshman. But then after that. Glenn Coffey and uh, Mark Ingram kind of took over, and he was nowhere to be found. <laughs> anyway, I had to throw that out there so y'all don't think I'm crazy. But uh, So my, <laughs> my number three guy is Najee Harris. I thought about having him higher, but uh, I just 
he's a great all-around back. My number two, my number one definitely is justified. I think my number two is too. But Najee Harris at number three, great all-around back. Again, he's he was in a different offense than Trent Richardson, than some of these other guys. He had very good hands, great quickness. You know, everybody, he would jump over, you know, the whole football team. Um to score a touchdown or really to get one yard or whatever, his own teammates or coaches, Nick Saban, he's stiff arm, you know. But just great all-around back. Could The only thing he lacked was speed, <laughs> really. Uh, he didn't have, like, the breakaway speed uh, that, a you know, a bigger guy like Derek had. But great all-around back, like I said, receiving. Um, really didn't become the full-time starter until, what was it, his junior, junior year. Yeah. And then surprisingly kind of came back for his senior year, had a great year, won the national championship. Um, so he's my number three guy. My number two guy is going to be Mark Ingram, the really the first big-time running back of Nick Saban's Bama uh, era. Um, I, I really like Mark. You know, watching if you go back and watch highlights on him, he was like, he was so quick. Like his feet were extremely quick. His vision were, was great. He had good hands. You know, he could um, he could pass block. Um, he won Alabama's first Heisman. I think Heath mentioned that, or, or maybe Hunter, but Heath mentioned that. I don't believe um, Alabama's first Heisman trophy. And he did it splitting. So his freshman year, he split the backfield with Glenn Coffey, and then his sophomore year, when he won the Heisman, Trent Richardson was a true freshman. Yeah. And then his junior year, he split the, you know, backfield with Trent Richardson again. So if it had been like, you know, Derrick Henry, if he got like 300 carries or something like that, he probably would have went over 2,000 yards. But just a really great all-around back, really fun to watch him play. And as a bonus, he's had a very good NFL career. So that's my number two. Yeah, we so we all pretty much have like around the same top five, just different orders. I got Najee Harris number two for me personally. You know, like Steven said, he was a really high recruit coming to Alabama. I think he was the number one recruit in the country, honestly. I think I think that's right. He came with Tua, but uh, he stayed his senior year. He was just a man amongst boys out there, and it, it really wasn't even fair. He stiff-armed people. You know, he just – like it seemed like every game he just hurdled a guy and really just took their manhood. <clears throat> he was a real physical runner. He got in the end zone. He hardly ever fumbled, so that was really good. He has really good hands. So, you know, to me, and like I said, he's a champion. That's that's big to me. He won that his senior year. He's a really good leader, and that's really big to me. So that's why I got him at all. Number two. Yes, yeah, so and number two, I also have Nigel Harris. Nigel Harris was a great, very good athletic back at the, uh, the backfield. He could run it. He could catch it. I think they even put him in the slot some. He had really good hands, and uh, he had that really good jump cut, and he did. He always loved to hurdle some people. Yeah, amen. And uh, what he said, stiff arming. Hey, he's doing the NFL too. He's throwing oh, some yeah. some grown men around. And uh, coming in at one, I have probably what everybody has is Derrick Henry. Woo! Uh, Derrick Henry probably got about 25, 30 carries a game, and averaged probably around two hundred yards. So Heath, take it. Yeah, Derrick Henry. I mean, listen, we we hit on him a lot on this show. He was me and Stevens both top, <clears throat> I think, running back. Was you your top running back in the NFL? He was mine, too. He's probably Hunter's, too. Yeah, I mean. And it's not – listen, we're all homers. Of course we are. But, listen, it's not even close. Derrick Henry, we said Najee was a man amongst boys. Well, he made Najee look like a boy because this guy's a straight man. When he throws a uh, 
a stiff arm. I'm surprised I don't get people concussions. He threw Josh Norman, which is a cornerback who's like 6'2", 200. He threw him like 10 foot into the uh, into the bleachers. I mean, ser- well, not to the bleachers, into the sideline. And just really embarrassed that guy. But uh, Derek's a beast. He, you know, he won a Heisman at Alabama. Led him to a national championship, didn't he? I think so. Derek? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he beat Clemson. Yeah, led him to a na- – yeah, with Coker. Yeah, uh, led him to a national championship. You know, you can't say enough good things about the guy. He was truly – he was an absolute workhorse. His last year, his junior year, Alabama didn't have really a good backup running back. It was him. I mean, they gave him the ball like 30, 35 times a game. So, to me, that's really what makes him the greatest running back of the Saban era. Yeah, so we're three for three on the uh, our number one running back, and I, I don't, I don't even think it's hard. It's pretty easy, not really, um, easy, yeah. which is crazy because as good as he was, he didn't become a full time starter until his um, junior year, uh, just because of all the other great backs he was put in the backfield with. But man, he was just, you know, what was so impressive. You expected him to be powerful and run people over because he was so big, but like his speed, he has such deceptive. Speed um, and quickness in the hole, and that was a lot of people's kind of knock on him coming out was that he's big. You take he doesn't have the speed, but then he got the NFL and showed that he does. Uh, I think my favorite memory of just watching him run was, I think it was, I want to say it was Mississippi State. It was a blowout, but he was still in, (laughs) and the ball was handed off. I think he was headed right. And he got stuffed up the middle, but then he cut back left, hit the hit the corner, and I can't remember. It might have been a sixty yard, <laughs> yeah, seventy yard, point. and the safety. He's like, I mean, he outweighs the safety by like thirty, forty pounds. So you would think, I mean, this guy can catch him. Uh, safety takes a bad angle. I mean, he just absolutely runs past the guy. I mean, he he was flying for that big. I mean. You know, I think you'd be- rather get hit by a semi-truck than get hit by Derrick Henry running full speed. So uh, that's my that's my number one guy. Honorable mentions, Eddie Lacy, uh, you know, the big bus. Uh, he, looked like a, he looked like a Jerome Bettis, but he just didn't have the same success. The big Krispy Kreme. Um, yeah, and his NIL deal would be Krispy Kreme. But uh, Eddie Lacy, TJ Yeldon, uh, Damian Harris. I mean, Damian Harris had an underrated, I think, yeah, career at Alabama. So those are my honorable mentions. Yeah, my honorable mentions are Josh Jacobs. I love the guy. Damian Harris, like Stephen said. Uh, not B. Rob. Uh, no, uh, Kenyon Drake. You know he could never really stay healthy. You have any honorable mentions? Uh, just like y'all said, T.J. Yeldon, the local guy, Kenyon Drake. He did, he's a very good speed back out the backfield. So yeah, yeah, and so. That's really it for the show, you know, this week. Hunter, we really appreciate you coming. You know, like we said, maybe when we get to the summer, maybe starting next week, we're going to do every other week. But our next, you know, episode, we're going to go over top five. Man, it's going to be so hard. Top five receivers of the Saban area. Hunter, rattle them off real quick. Your top five. Can you do it real quick? Top five receivers? Off top yeah, of top, off the top of your head. Uh, let me go Let me go. Julio at one. Okay. Okay. I like that. Um, Give me – Cooper? Give me uh, give me Calvin Ridley. Oh my Calvin Ridley. Smitty. Devontae Smith, Amari Cooper, and uh, I can't Waddle. Jalen Waddle. Why Cooper. not? Cooper. You say Cooper? Jay, yeah, I had Cooper at four, yeah, Waddle at five. Four. Hey, that's a good that's a good then that's a really hard list. That'll probably that's gonna be the hardest yeah. thing we do probably. We're gonna, yeah, probably. We're gonna do a uh, we'll do another poll and try to see yeah. uh 
who y'all who y'all think. But that's gonna be really hard. I've almost had a lot of great players, great receivers. But that wraps up our show for tonight. Like he said, we might uh, during the summertime start doing every other week, but we'll um, we'll let y'all know. Yeah, and uh, if you know anybody that you may like us to interview or something, we, we're we're gonna try to maybe get some more. You know, people that if they really know sports or, you know, maybe some of these college kids or maybe even a high school kid, you know, local guy, you know, we'd love to interview somebody and just get them on here. Yeah, you know, I reached out to Nick Saban, but I hadn't heard back from him yet. So Yeah, he's too much of a narcissist to come on here and yeah. listen. Yeah. We're too too small. He's too superior. He's, he's well he's too a, too godlike, as yeah. Jimbo likes to say. We're little we're peasants. He's just a he's a god, so he don't want to come on our show. But uh, no for real. We if you have anybody like us to try to reach out to an interview. I mean, we love interviewing people and getting them on the show. Uh, but that's that wraps it up for us. We appreciate y'all listening. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you know. Um, and it would really help us out. And then hit the follow and then notification. That way you know when a new episode comes out. Email us, Tillman's Corner Sports Talk at gmail.com. We'd love to hear uh, your questions and comments. Unless they're bad, then I'm, I'm you know, we're going to be done with you. I'm not gonna call you. I'm not gonna answer your phone anymore. Find us on Twitter. Yeah, find us on Twitter. Heath, we're about to. We're gonna set Heath up a Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I can't remember my username, but I'm sure if you look up Stephen Tillman, you'll see the picture. I mean, I'll be right there. Uh, I'll probably have like two followers. <laughs> um, anyway, for real, wife and daughter. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. Thank y'all. We love y'all so much. We uh, really appreciate y'all listening. We'll catch y'all next episode.